my husband and I. Well, we were newlyweds when our encounter with Bigfoot happened during the Christmas season up around Odell Lake in central Oregon. Here is our account and story. Our account, by the way, is true. And this is what my husband and I saw and what we experienced while on a belated honeymoon or Christmas getaway. And no, this did not deter us from the future plans we were making to move to this part of the country at all. Not even a little bit. Actually, it gave us even more of a reason to relocate and live here, as you will soon understand. My husband and I were orphans. It was crazy to meet someone like him who was, well, like me, from an adopted home. We met at school after my parents relocated to the Bay Area. Come to find out a week later, we would also attend the same church, too. Yes, my parents are my loving, awesome parents, and they have raised a pretty well-rounded daughter, I believe. Did great in school, leads a home Bible study to this day, and ended up with a degree in marketing. My husband ended up in a very loving home as well. His parents were also believers who loved him and gave him every advantage some orphan children never get to experience. So because of that, he became an organizer for a large Christian outreach program for orphan children around the world. It keeps him at home, but from time to time, he does have to leave for a few days or so at a time. Thus, the reason for a belated honeymoon. As I said, we both had a lot in common, faith, fun, music, movies, and a love for the great outdoors. We loved the Pacific Northwest especially. It was this love for the outdoors that led us to an unexpected run. In with this animal, or creature called Bigfoot. It was Christmas time nearly a decade ago. We had been married almost a year at that time. We opted for a December wedding because we were winter freaks, I suppose, and I did not want to wait any longer. Besides, Christmas and anniversaries sounded great together. He had to be gone for a few days right after our wedding, so we promised each other a belated honeymoon and a Christmas in the Pacific Northwest preferably Oregon, Central Oregon. That brings me to our encounter. Something rather frightening, but interesting all at the same time. And yes, it gave us a Christmas and belated honeymoon we would never forget. Central Oregon it was. Lake Odell, to be exact. Our one-year anniversary. And the honeymoon we missed. And Christmas that year would be spent there. Our parents would meet us up there right before Christmas Eve, but we would be there for a whole week before, and a few days after Christmas. We wanted at least ten days of just enjoying each other. And God's green earth together, well, it turned out to be a white earth with all the snow. That was fine by us. As a matter of fact, we were into sledding and even cross-country skiing. So, with everything packed, including skies, we set off for a long drive. What I do know for a fact was that this thing was slightly bent down to look through the window itself. It took us hours upon hours to get there, but by nightfall we made it all safe and sound. I have to say, it was even more beautiful than I expected, even as the sun was almost gone and I could only see so far. I could make the outline of the surrounding mountains, the lake that looked to have frozen edges and some lights from a couple cabins that must be in use nearby. There were not a lot of cabin lights, I noticed. Just a couple from what I could tell. But then again, there were so many trees everywhere. So who could tell if there were more, anyways? Our cabin was just out of sight of the lodge, yet within the shelter cove section. Within a couple minutes, 
we made it to the cabin. We were exhausted and decided to just unpack real quick and turn in for the night. Of course, we could not sleep just yet, so we grabbed some hot tea and enjoyed the warmth of the fireplace. The first night was quiet and uneventful. It was not until the next day that some odd occurrences and weird things would be noticed and experienced. I was up first the next morning. I grabbed a few things we forgot out of the car and got the skies off the rack and leaned them up against the cabin on the front porch area. I decided to take a quick walk with a hot cup of coffee down by the edge of the lake about 50 feet from the cabin. As I came to the edge of the lake, I noticed I was correct. The lake was frozen to about 20 or so feet out from the shoreline. I also noticed I was not the only visitor to this part of the lake. I noticed footprints. At first, it took me a few seconds to grasp what I was looking at. I even pulled my head up and looked around. I remember wondering, who in the world is running around this place barefoot? It was around 30 degrees out that morning, I remember. Clear skies. But 30 degrees. I did not notice if they were overly large at the time or not. All I could really make out was the front half of each foot. Trust me, it was frozen solid down by the lake. Any impression at all would have to be from someone or something very heavy. That was the weird part at the time that made me think for a minute. I looked around at my surroundings a bit and then back down at the footprints that led along the edge of the lake towards the lodge thinking. It was a little odd, I thought, but that was it. I just thought it was odd. I told my husband over breakfast and he, like me, agreed there must be one not. So smart cookie up here this week. The rest of the day was spent having fun. Of course it was midweek, so the crowd was sparse at best, which was fine by us. I have to say, the couple running the resort were awesome folks. We had told them about this being our belated honeymoon and our real first Christmas together. With that, they had brought us a Christmas tree and some ornaments for it. It was a sweet gesture we took full advantage of that second night. We trimmed the tree, ate dinner, and decided to take a walk down by the lake right before dark. We walked along the shore away from the lodge in a northeasterly direction. It was then that we thought we heard a whistle coming from the woods above us. It whistled a second time, and you could not mistake it. Someone was whistling in the woods. My husband thought nothing of it, only mentioning it was probably just a person passing by. As we walked, the whistles kept coming, not constantly, but every few minutes or so. Back in the cabin once again, we turned in for the night. The next morning, as usual, I was up before my husband, not wasting one minute up there. I filled up my coffee cup and headed out the door for a walk along the lake while my husband slept, as I barely got past where we parked the car when I noticed footprints in the snow again. This time, I knew they were fresh. I was out here yesterday and would have noticed them. These, however, were rather large, I noticed, and the length between them, the stride, was rather long. I would wait until my husband woke up to show him, and I continued with my walk. This time that morning, I did feel a little off while on my walk. I felt like I was being watched. My husband, being the sweetheart he is, called over to the lodge to let them know what we found. It was a husband and wife team by chance that ran the place back then, and the husband came over to check it out. He joked about it, but he did mention Bigfoot. 
We all laughed at it, of course, but he did say that there had, over time, been reports of sightings of the creature around the area. But he reassured us he had never seen one and personally did not believe they even existed. To this day, I believe he was telling us the truth. I think he never heard anything or noticed anything while he... They were there. We all shook it off to be somebody messing around, but who it was could not be anyone staying there at the time. The other couples were older folks for the most part. Either way, he said he would keep an extra eye out, and that we should too. It was my husband that woke me up in the middle of the night two days later. He was wide-eyed and fully awake. No, he was not frightened or scared at all, but he was fully alert and dragged me out of bed and over to the window in the kitchen. He propped open the window just a bit. The cold night breeze almost hurt to tell you the truth, but he insisted I stand still and listen, howling, but not a dog type of howl, more like a deep, almost screaming howl coming from the mountains behind the cabin. Later, a month later, listening to some recordings I would find online, I can honestly tell you it was a Bigfoot howling that night besides, and not just because we would see it. The sounds were freaky, and in a weird, chilling kind of a way. After a few minutes, and at the behest of me to shut the window, my husband reluctantly did so. We chatted again for a bit about it before we both fell back to sleep. Mine and my husband's parents would be there in just a few days to spend the last four days with us. Of course they would all be in the cabin next to us. Well, not right next to us. Well, not right next to us. It was about forty, fifty feet away from ours. Footprints, and now the howling was making me feel a little uncomfortable. Not for my safety or anything like that, really. Looking back now, I do. But then it was just feeling uncomfortable with my parents being there to experience these weird little things. At that time, we were about to spring it on our folks that we would, inside a year, be moving to central Oregon. I wanted nothing to make them feel any more worried about, including Bigfoot. Well, as far-fetched as Bigfoot seemed to me at that moment, it could be a little bit of an issue. The rest of that day, I decided to let it go. I put Bigfoot out of my mind and started focusing on getting things ready and get some skiing in with the husband. There were no more weird feelings of being watched or howls for a night or two after that night. However, the footprints were still being found all over the place, and some came pretty close to the cabin, our cabin. The parents would be there the next day, the day after my husband and I realized how real these things, this Bigfoot species is. Christmas Eve. Eve. It was the weekend, and we decided to get some cross-country seeing in. It was a clear day, the snow had stopped, and clear skies were to be the weather pattern for the next few days to come. No creepy feelings came that day, I remember, but then again, there were a lot of people enjoying the snow that whole weekend, especially the last day of the weekend. Like many animals, maybe being a little fearful and wary of humans runs deep with this species as well. Some of the stories I hear seem to fly in the face of that belief, but when you see these things and know they are there, well, I think they would rather not be involved with people, for the most part at least. But, back to the day. It was great. All of it. I was having a great Christmas vacation and honeymoon, and telling you the truth, a part of me was a little thrilled with the footprints and howling going on. It made it just that much more exciting to a point. 
However exciting would turn into less excitement and more of a cautious interest and massive of shock at first too, we had eaten dinner, I made some cookies earlier for dessert, and some hot cocoa with peppermint. I always add peppermint to my cocoa with peppermint to my cocoa. We were wrapping gifts for our parents when I noticed some movement near the kitchen window. Mind you, the kitchen window was rather high off the ground and larger than you expect for a rental cabin in the woods. Whatever it was, I could not see the street light down the way towards the lodge I could usually see through the window. Whatever it was, was blocking it. As I looked out the window, it only took seconds. And then all of a sudden, well, I felt a sense of shock go right through me. I grabbed my husband's arm tightly, I remember. He even made a sound it was so hard. He followed my gaze at that moment out the kitchen window. I have seen film of Bigfoot since then, and I have to say there was a film of one walking through the forest in the Sierras, I believe, by a Forest Service guy. That was it, except I could see the face and the upper torso. Well, I think most of the upper torso. Well, I think most of the upper torso. What I do know for a fact was that this thing was slightly bent down to look through the window itself. Its face was not human, but it did have a human likeness to it. The report of an ape-like nose I can understand, however. It was not smashed down like a great ape. You could see a sort of rounded nose that was longer than it was smashed. Work from home. Click here to learn more about how you can partner with a great company today and start that work at Home Lifestyle today. The face was long and the eyes were huge, but had a ton of wrinkles around them. Between the red eye shine and the wrinkles, that is what made this thing look truly scary. Its mouth was huge and I could even see some of the teeth between the large lips. The skin was dark gray, not gray, but a darker gray, but a darker gray like a real dark stormy sky before a bad storm. It had no ears sticking out, and the hair seemed to be a dark, dark brown. At least it looked like it. The eyes were huge, but just looked scary. There was little hair between the nose and lower forehead area. We got a good look at this thing. It was wrinkly too, very wrinkly. It looked at us as though it was curious, but frustrated all at the same time. Or perhaps it was just frustrated and wanted to eat us. I don't know. I don't think anyone is in the heads of these things yet. It blinked once, then turned and walked off. We immediately jumped up, locked the front door, and I shut off the lights. We had no gun at the time. So we were rather frightened for our own safety because of that fact. We stood there for about another three, four minutes, just staring out the window, talking about what we saw. While in the middle of talking, or whispering more like it, that creature, that Bigfoot thing, came back into view, except closer to the tree line about thirty yards from the cabin. It was tall, but compared to me, anything was tall compared to me, though, as I am all of the five feet six. But this thing, well... It had to be at least eight feet tall. My husband the next morning would say it around seven. Seventy-one or two feet tall when he compared it to the tree. It was next to. It was standing near a large pine tree. A Douglas fir, if I remember correctly. It was visible because of the street light near the lodge, casting a backlight on it. I could not make out the face anymore. 
but it was tall, long arms and seemed to have a slight bend at the hips as it walked away. It had a funny-looking gait. When people say it steps one foot in front of the other, it does. And I don't think it can help it the way the shape of the body looked. Hopefully, those of you who have seen this thing can understand what I mean. We immediately called over to the lodge, waking up the managers. The husband came out on a ski machine about 20 minutes later, and he too was surprised at the footprints. Their shape, size, and the fact that they looked close to human footprints. However, he noticed that the big toe was off too far to the side to be human, unless the human happened to be a giant person with deformed feet. While we wanted to laugh at the comment to keep our spirits up, we all just looked around and parted ways quickly heading back inside. It was late. It was just after midnight by that point and the parents would be there that day. While we eventually did fall asleep, it was not until after a cup of tea and some time to process what we had seen. In the meadow, we built an abominable snowman. Scary, but with all the people out and about up here during the holiday week, I felt more, well, lucky to have seen what I saw the night before than anything. However, I was still a little freaked out. I guess I felt that way because I was in what I felt to be a safer environment at the time. Some people are not when they have an encounter. We kept close to the resort as we walked around a bit the next day, but most of the time was spent getting things ready for the parents' arrival. Of course, a bit after they arrived, we told our parents what we experienced that night over dinner, and they did believe us. So much so that my mom wandered around a little nervous, I could tell the next few days. We also told them that we were relocating to Central Oregon, to the Bend area to be exact. They were a little sad at the news, but they joked that I could do some research on the ape, like creature we saw in our cabin window, tranquil embrace of the forest, had always been my sanctuary. As a park ranger, I had spent countless hours immersed in its beauty, watching the seasons change and the wildlife thrive. But nothing could have prepared me for the day my world was forever altered by an encounter that defied explanation. It was a crisp autumn morning, the air infused with the earthy scent of fallen leaves and the distant promise of winter's chill. I set out on my routine patrol, my heart light and my steps purposeful. The forest was alive with a symphony of nature's melodies, and I reveled in its harmonious embrace. As I ventured deeper into the woods, a feeling of unease began to gnaw at the edges of my consciousness. The bird song had ceased, and the rustling had ceased, and the rustling leaves seemed to whisper secrets I could not decipher. I tightened my grip on the camera slung around my neck, constant companion on my journeys. And then, amidst the towering trees and dappled sunlight, I saw it. A figure, towering and majestic, emerged from the shadows like a mythical creature stepping out of a forgotten story. My heart raced, my breath caught in my throat, as I stared in awe at the enigmatic being before me, a Bigfoot. Its massive form stood like a sentinel, its fur a rich tapestry of russet and brown. Dark, soulful eyes met mine, a silent understanding passing between us. Time seemed to slow, the forest holding its breath as if in reverence of this extraordinary encounter. With trembling hands I raised my camera, my fingers fumbling to capture this momentous occasion. 
Every click of the shutter echoed in the stillness, a testament to the unbreakable bond between man and nature. I could hardly believe my luck, the proof I had longed for, a glimpse into a world that had eluded human understanding. But fate, it seemed, had other plans. As the shutter snapped, a sudden movement caught my attention. The Bigfoot's eyes widened, its massive frame tensing with a primal instinct. In an instant it was gone, vanishing into the depths of the forest with a speed and grace that defied its size. I stood there stunned, my heart sinking as the realization set in. The photograph I had longed to capture remained elusive, a testament to the fleeting nature of the extraordinary. I had come so close, yet in the blink of an eye, it had slipped through my fingers like a wisp of smoke. A profound sadness settled over me, a pang of loss that echoed through the quiet expanse of the woods. I lowered my camera, my shoulders slumping as I watched the place where the majestic creature had stood, now empty and void of its presence. The forest, it seemed, had reclaimed its secrets, leaving me with only memories and a bittersweet ache in my heart. As I retraced my steps, I couldn't shake the feeling that I had glimpsed something truly magical, a connection to a world beyond our understanding. With each passing day, the memory of that encounter remained etched in my mind, a constant reminder of the beauty and mystery that lay hidden within the depths of the wilderness. And though I had no photograph to share with the world, I held on to the hope that one day I might once again find myself in the presence of the elusive and magnificent Bigfoot, ready to capture the moment with both my camera and my heart. This happened approximately 11 years ago, 1992. It was around three in the morning. I was coming home from a party with a friend. We were driving down Roberts Road, and I know you're thinking Resurrection Mary, but this has nothing to do with her. There was somebody standing by the curb with a lantern, and he got in front of the car and we slowed down. He walked toward the car. We looked, he had. It was February, he had, like one of his arms was out, like a bandage was hanging. It was stained to look like blood or whatever. This was really gruesome looking. His mouth was agape. His eyes were like rolled in back of his head. His leg was missing, and you could see like a translucent face through him. We just looked at each other and were just like, Whoa! We drove on. He walked in back of the car and the other car and the other car. We looked in back and the other car went right through him. Went right through him. Art Bell asks him to get over it again. We both saw it, and he was right by the side of us. We drove, and he continued to walk across the street, and there was another cemetery. It was Bethany. He was walking to the other cemetery. And there was another car in back that drove right through this apparition. I mean, it blew me away for like a year, I'm telling you. Spooked. That was the most spooked out one I've ever been. I mean, I had a witness. We called Justice Police, but they didn't want to get into it, and then I called Richard Crow a famous Chicago-based paranormal investigator. I was attacked by an unknown light. So, I was walking my dog in the front yard. I was hit with a light. It felt like it went down in me, then back up. 
It felt like it lifted my upper body up just a little bit. I felt expanded. I felt like I was energy and light. When I looked at everything, it was covered in shimmering light. The grass, the leaves, my arms. When I looked around, my movement felt like it was flowing. It stopped after about 10 seconds. Then for about 20 minutes after, I would get a small glimpse of that feeling, and I would get a small glimpse of that feeling, and I would get goosebumps up and down my arms and a warm feeling across my chest. The next morning, I noticed a rash starting on my chest and arms. It spread very fast. Across my chest, down my shoulders, arms, and tops of my hands. Everywhere that was exposed the day before. I saw a dermatologist. They do not know what it is. They tested for cancer. Negative. They gave me a steroid. Didn't work at all. Nothing will help it. I still have the rash. It won't go away. It's itchy bright red and is kind of shaped like leopard spots. If I'm in the sun too long, it puffs up a little. Then it goes flat again but hasn't gone away or gotten any lighter. I've also been hearing things in just my left ear since then. I hear humming, ringing, text tone sounds and a few times I have heard people talking. Some in different languages, being changed every couple seconds like channels on a radio station. This just happened this week. I was on vacation with my family and they were driving me insane after day three. I decided maybe I'll take a look on Bumble and see if there were any cute locals to meet up with for an hour or two while my family went to more museums, which is not at all my interest. My friends at home also thought it would be a funny story to meet up with a local. For reference, I'm a 25-year-old female, and I was with my parents and younger sister for a week. We were in a remote-ish area in a small town out west, visiting a lot of national parks, so there weren't a lot of national parks, so there weren't a lot of people nearby on the apps. I started swiping and soon came across a guy who was my age and looked cute, had similar interests as me, so I felt like I would be down to meet up with him. We started talking on the app, then eventually moved to Snapchat. He suggested we go to the next town over, about 30 men away to see the fireworks. I couldn't that night since I had plans with my fam, and I was also hesitant about meeting a guy 30 minutes away when so was already out of my element and we were in what felt like the middle of nowhere. He knew I was there to do hiking and parks, so he suggested we go for a local hike nearby the next day. A lot of great hiking trails around here. Important side note. I deleted my last name on Snapchat before he added me, so he does not know it. I don't know if I had a bad feeling in the back of my mind, or what, but I didn't want him knowing much of my info. However, it did show his last name, which is important later. I had hesitations about going into the woods with a random guy, especially since I had been around the hiking trails the day before, and my cell service was cutting in and out. But... The trails were well populated and I did want to see more out there and my family was going to some museums that I had no interest in, so I agreed to meet him the next day. That night, I got a bad feeling and kept getting more nervous about meeting a random bumble man far from home, in an area I don't know too well. Even though my family knew where I would be, I was feeling uncomfortable and decided maybe I should just Google this guy 
and see what other info I could find about him like his Instagram or LinkedIn, etc. so I could give my family his info while I was gone in case anything happened. I also wanted to verify what I knew about him like his workplace and alma mater, etc. Well, I type in his first and last name in the town we are in in Google and click on the first link. Next thing I know, I am looking at a registered sex offender profile with his full name, address, photo, description of his offense, etc. And it was fairly recent. I'm not sure if I can go into detail here about his offense, but I can assure you that had I not Googled this man, things could have turned out very, very badly for me. Or maybe not. But nonetheless, I'm shook that I almost met up with a registered sex offender. Please make sure to do your due diligence when meeting people off of the internet. Edit. I found out his full name because he added me on Snapchat. My family was okay with me meeting a random guy because I'm an adult and we had just been up to these well-populated hiking trails two days before, and they tracked my location on their phones. Edit again. It didn't have a lot of detail about the offense he committed, but it said it was R and the victim was an 18-year-old girl and it was a third-degree offense. This is all of the info that was available that I could find. More info on why I didn't immediately block him. It showed his address on the offender profile, and it was less than half a mile from my airpin. He didn't know where I was staying. He was going to pick me up, but from a local coffee shop, because I didn't want him to know where my family and I stayed. Two, the place he worked, a restaurant, was literally across the street from my airbame. Three, I didn't want him to know I knew. I don't know why, but it made me feel less safe, so I just wanted to act like I didn't know. Be apologetic, we couldn't meet up and play nice in case I happened to run into him in this very small town, then block him the second I left. I live in Texas near Fort Worth. A couple of years ago, I was driving my girlfriend of the time home late one night. We stopped at an intersection near her neighborhood where I decided to look down to change the song playing on my phone. When I looked back up, I saw a large black dog run right in front of my headlights. My girlfriend said, Ooh, did you see that? I replied, Yeah, it was just a dog. No, that dog looks weird, she said. Right there and then, it passed in front of my lights again. I was terrified when I noticed it had no features but more like a solid black mass in the shape of a dog. It ran past my window, and I noticed it had what seemed like smoke coming off of it. What the F is that? I screamed. It circled around and went past my girlfriend's window, going directly into my car's beam of lights again. As soon as it cleared them, I floored it and sped off down the street. We both couldn't believe what we had seen. When we got to her house, we sat in the car and tried to process what had happened. She broke down in tears and revealed to me that an uncle of hers had seen the dog we had just seen shortly before he passed. She said what we had seen was exactly what he had described to her family. He said he felt it was death coming after him. I comforted her as she cried and tried to play tough, but deep down I was absolutely terrified. Was it there for her or for me? A couple weeks later, I was driving alone one night down a dark country road that I would usually cruise on the weekends. Everything was normal when I noticed something moving, just out of the beams of the light of the car on the edge of the road as I drove. 
I slowed down and was shocked to see what was revealed by my headlights. It was that dog again, but this time it was running alongside my car as I drove. I was terrified when I suddenly remembered that the speed limit on this road was 70 miles per hour. This thing was keeping up with me. It was exactly like I had seen it before, a large black mass with smoke coming off of it. As I glanced back and forth between the road and it, I slammed on the brakes. When I turned to look at it, its head was backward, not turned, and it was looking right at me with glowing white eyes. I'd never been more afraid in my whole life. I immediately did a U-turn and then hauled my butt back into town. I was shaking the entire way home. Was what I saw a hellhound or something else? Are these things associated with death? My grandfather passed shortly after these events. I've spotted the dog a couple of times since then, while driving but only for a brief moment as I passed it. During my deployment in Afghanistan, I was assigned the task of assisting the operator flying the Raven, a small unmanned aerial vehicle equipped with an infrared camera during nighttime operations. Our mission primarily involved searching for insurgents planting roadside bombs, a rather monotonous duty. However, one particular night, something peculiar caught our attention on the camera's feed. In the corner of the camera's view, we noticed a distinct circular hot spot. Intrigued, we maneuvered the Raven to obtain a better perspective, hoping to unravel the mystery of this featureless, intensely glowing sphere. Whether displayed in white and cold or black and hot, this enigmatic entity remained an impenetrable, solid black, unwavering for approximately five minutes. Then, abruptly, it swiftly descended, almost touching the ground as we flew at an altitude around 160 feet above ground level. Just as swiftly, it ascended back into the sky, disappearing from the raven's rain. Intrigued and perplexed, we immediately reported the sighting of this unidentified flying object, UFO, to the Tactical Operations Center, TOC. However, their response offered little satisfaction. They dismissed it as a mere glitch, stating that there was no corresponding satellite data in that specific area. Determined to investigate further, we turned to the footage recorded on our specialized Toughbook laptop. To our astonishment, when we reviewed the footage, we discovered a glaring omission. The five minutes encompassing the UFO sighting were conspicuously missing. It was as if those crucial moments had been deliberately erased or simply vanished into thin air.